as I was preparing for today, I was going uh, back and forth on a couple of different thoughts that I felt God had given me. And, and I just kept coming back to this one word. And, and it was interesting because I felt like, I, I think this is what God wants me to talk about. But then I would go into study and, and I would see some other stuff. But it felt like everywhere I looked, this word kept popping up. I kept hearing this word. It kept just sticking out to me. And, and I just felt like the Lord was reminding me that I needed to mention this because this is something that the world right now is desperately yearning for and in need of. And if you're taking notes and you want to write this down, the title of this message is very simple. It's one word, and it's the word kindness. I want to talk to you this morning about kindness, especially, you know, we have youth in action. We're thinking about our teenagers and our children. And uh, as parents, we always want to teach our children to be kind, to be nice to each other. And this is something that we're often throwing out there. But let's be honest, uh, especially in the last few years, the world has felt like anything but kind. Uh, there's a lot of vitriol, there's a lot of back and forth, there's a lot of hatred in person on social media, through videos, like you're constantly seeing, more often than not, the worst of humanity and the very uh, distant aspects of kindness, of kindness. But what I am discovering as a result of that, the world is starving for kindness. There is a yearning and a desire for kind people. If you don't believe me, think about it in this way. I've watched already a number of documentaries on some of my kindness heroes from my youth. For example, let me show you this afro. Let's see if you remember this guy. Uh, here's a great example of kindness. If you don't know who that is, his name is Bob Ross. Bob Ross was a former military veteran who uh, was trying to really get over some of the things that he saw while in the military, and he decided to learn how to paint. And he picked up this style of painting, and eventually he ended up uh, having programs and teaching how to paint that led to a show on PBS. And if you're around my age, you remember Bob Ross. If you're older than me, you know Bob Ross. And for whatever reason, whenever you watch this program, you desired happy trees, right? You wanted to use a little Van Dyke white, a little titanium blue, and you just, hey, listen, happy accidents, right? There's no such thing as mistakes. Like, and Bob Ross talked in such a way that even as a four-year-old, I'm watching this guy with a fake afro paint this portrait of something I've never seen, and I'm just mesmerized because he spoke with such kindness. Now, that was one thing. But my greatest hero of all time when it comes to kindness, and he's somebody that I've often read up on and studied, and I just absolutely adore this man, was this next guy. You might remember him, Mr. Rogers himself, Captain Kindness. Uh, Mr. Rogers, uh, here's the funny part about Mr. Rogers. He was so kind that people didn't believe it. People thought it was a shtick. People thought like his character on Mr. Rogers was different than the person he was, Mr. Rogers. But the wonderful thing about this man is he was uh, who he was on camera and who he was off stage. He was actually an ordained minister and he felt his ministry was to do television programming for children because he thought the programming that was on for children didn't teach the things that children needed to understand. And so he centered his program on just loving kids, speaking to them as if they're adults. And man, Mr. Rogers, he walked me through some very difficult lessons. 
And he did it with such unbelievable kindness. And there's these really cool stories about his kindness. There was one moment uh, he was picked up by uh, the network to go have a meeting. And the driver who picked him up, he found out that when he went into the dinner with the meeting, that the driver was going to be sitting in the car. And he thought that was weird. So he asked the driver to join him and the executive for dinner, which is not normal. And then as they're driving after the dinner and he's taking Mr. Rogers back to where he was staying, uh, the driver happened to say, oh, that's my house. I live over there. And Mr. Rogers is like, really? I'd like to meet your family if that's okay. And he goes, I mean, yeah, I guess. And so he takes Mr. Rogers into his house and he happened to have a piano. Mr. Rogers was a very well-educated pianist. And Mr. Rogers stayed up all night playing piano for his family and then called the guy up a few weeks later to see how he was doing. It's just who he is. And it was so amazing that it threw people off. He would literally call executives two, three weeks after their meetings to check up on them and their wives and their kids. And people would be like, why are you calling me? I just want to see how you're doing. That's the aspect of kindness is it's so off-putting because it's so uncommon. And even today, you know, those are guys from the 80s and 70s and 90s, but even today, you can see there's a resurgence of a yearning for kindness, uh, particularly in a character by the name of Ted Lasso. If you uh, watch the show, Ted Lasso, it was nominated for about 20 Grammys, I believe it won seven of them. Ted Lasso's this funny little show about a Midwesterner from Kentucky who ends up coaching a Premier League soccer team in England. And the shtick really is that this is this overly kind man in a overly not kind country as England has a reputation of being straightforward and mean. And, and the funny thing is this came out in the middle of the pandemic and part of the reason why I got so many reviews is because it was unbelievably heartwarming and kind. People want kindness. People love to see kindness. Matter of fact, Mr. Rogers, as I was mentioning earlier, one of his favorite quotes, it's not something he came up with, but it is something he often said. There are three ways to ultimate success. The first way is to be kind. The second way is to be kind. And the third way is to be kind. We're in a world right now where kindness is seldom. And if you can be willing to just offer some kindness, you'd be amazed at the response. On Friday, I was at a breakfast with one of our young adults, and uh, we're sitting down just chatting. We, we do this periodically. And uh, the waiter, probably a 20, 22-year-old young man, came by, and he was doing a good job. And I remember before we even ordered, I, I looked at him and I said, uh, hey, what's your name? He said, my name's Julian. I said, Julian, I just want you to know you're doing a great job, bro. And he lit up like a Christmas tree. He said, oh, thanks, man. I was like, yeah, bro, just want you to know that you're doing good. And then he came back later and he brought us our food. And I said, hey, Julian, I'm gonna pray for our food right now. And it's just something we do. Is there anything I could pray for you for? Is there anything going on in your life? Anything you want me to pray about? He's like, for me? I was like, yeah. Um, my mom? I go, sure. Is there anything going on with your mom? Anything specific? He goes, no, she's just a single mom. I go, okay, let me pray for your mom then. So I sat there and we prayed for Julian's mom and it was so amazing, his reaction afterward. He, he literally goes, oh, bro, that was amazing. No one's ever done that for me before. That was bleeping cool. And, and then he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to say that. And I was like, no, you're fine. It was bleeping cool. No, I didn't say that. I'm, sorry. I'm, just, I'm joking. I'm joking. I didn't. No, but what I did say is, hey, don't even worry about that, man. You're, you're, it's fine. You're great. And then later on, we exchanged his information. I invited him to the church and said, hey, man, if you ever want to connect, let's connect. 
So, so often we think people don't want to hear about God, people don't want to talk to Christians, and they hate us, and they hate us. Well, maybe they hate us because all they've ever experienced from some Christians is hate. But when they have kindness, it's hard to respond with anything but kindness. I want to talk to you about my favorite hero of kindness, and that's obviously Jesus. And if you look in the Bible, in Luke chapter 19, there's a great story of kindness that I'd love to unpack for you. In, in Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10, let me read through this, and then we'll take some time to look at some of these verses. In verse 1, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed the sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to, the guest, to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Let me give you some context on this in case you're unaware of what it means to be a tax collector. Uh, at this time, the Jewish people were under Roman rule. The, the Roman Empire was at its apex. And uh, as being governed by the Roman government, they were also taxed by the Roman government. And so what the Roman government would do is because they spread over so many different countries is they would establish people from within those areas to be representatives and to work essentially for the Roman government. And so what many tax collectors did and what the reputation of a tax collector was is they would collect a tax that was necessary for the Roman government, but then they would always add money to that tax so they could steal it for themselves. So if you were taxed $50, they would tax you $100, give 50 to the government and keep 50 for themselves. And this was very known practice. So not only are you essentially working for the enemy, not only are you working for our oppressors, but you're stealing and you're cheating us while you're doing that. And now, it's bad enough to be a tax collector, and the Bible often illustrates uh, tax collectors as these very big sinners. I think in church, we usually use like these examples of like prostitutes and drug dealers and gangbangs, and I always hate that we somehow spotlight those as, as, as if they're worse sins than anything else, but the Bible almost always, it highlights tax collectors. Like, that was the scum of the earth in the Jewish people's eyes. And Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector, he was the chief tax collector. In other words, he was in charge of all the other tax collectors. So this guy, he must have been skimming off the top and skimming off of the other tax collectors. He was getting very rich off of hurting God's own people. And so the fact that Jesus would go to his house and even associate with him, it threw everybody off. They're like, why would you even talk to that guy? That guy is scum. That guy is the worst. Why would you ever associate with someone like that? And I think, it's because Jesus was kind. And I think a lot of times we can act that way. Oh, I can't believe you talked to that person or, or you know, why, why are you still friends with them? Or, or I can't believe you still talk to that family member. And it's like, why? Why should we isolate and ostracize people when kindness can do so much more? 
Uh, and there's a few things in this that I think are important for us to understand because I, I do think it's so vital for us as believers to exemplify and show kindness because a very vocal minority of believers, particularly online, ha have created this narrative in the world that the church is anything but kind. And I know that's not true because I know that's not my Lord. And so I want you to look at a few things if you're taking notes. Number one is this, kindness has a reputation. When you are kind, people will know about it. When you are a kind person, someone who demonstrates kindness on a regular basis, it creates a narrative, it creates a reputation. You begin to be associated as being kind. Now it's important to understand as we we're looking at this story, there's a few things that the story is telling us that are key to it. One of those is the fact that they mention Zacchaeus' height. Zacchaeus was a short guy. And uh, being short for a guy is a difficult thing, particularly I would imagine in this era. And I, I, I think about this a little bit and I wonder, man, I, I wonder how many people were unkind to Zacchaeus. How many people made fun of him? How many people ridiculed him? How many people treated him badly? And we'll get to that in a moment. But I, but I just think about for ourselves. I mean, oftentimes in, in the skies of making jokes, and I, I'm the first to tell you that uh, that's something I really had to work on growing up. We're unkind to people just because of how they look, because of things they do. And we do it with laughter. In my family, the funniest things were the jokes we made about you, the, the nicknames we gave you. Uh, I, I don't know why, especially in Latino countries, but it might be the same in other cultures. We, came, we come up with nicknames based on your worst attribute. Gordo, flaca, chaparro, prieto. Like, it's always something about you that's negative. It's like, hey, ugly, hey, chubby. It's always this messed up nickname, like, that's associated. Even my friends when I was a kid, they would call me ojos borrados, which means uh, erased eyes. They're like, it look like God erased half your eyes because they're so small. And they would come up with, and I'm like, you're my friends, right? But that's kind of what we do, and we think it's a kindness, but in reality, it's something that causes a lot of issues for people, a lot of deep-seated insecurities as we were just talking about at the end of worship and here suddenly Jesus shows up in Jericho and, and Zacchaeus is used to all these people ridiculing and talk about him and he hears about a man named Jesus. Listen, Proverbs chapter 3 verse 3 through 4. It says, never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart then you will find favor with both God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Amen. If you are kind, people find out about it. If you are kind, people want to get to know you. Sometimes I think uh, villains have a backstory. I like it a lot of times in TV programs or in movies when they give you the backstory on the villain and all of a sudden you don't hate the villain so much because there's a party that goes, oh, I kind of get it now. I, I kind of get why you are the way that you are. And some of us will be like, yeah, I'd probably be that same way too. Again, the Bible goes out to point out that Zacchaeus was short. He probably grew up being mocked and bullied. But all of a sudden now, he has power. He's got money. He's got authority. And I bet you there's a part of him that he purposely taxed people more. Why? I'm going to get back at you. Oh, remember in high school when you constantly made fun of me and you shoved me in the locker? Guess what, homie? I'm the tax collector now. Double tax on that dude. I can't stand that dude. <laughs> so now all of a sudden, uh, he, he's got this syndrome. He's got this opportunity to get payback, and he's starting to unleash it on people. 
And yet it doesn't bring him any joy. It actually brings him more hatred and more unkindness. So I wonder if Zacchaeus was so eager to see Jesus because he heard about his kindness. Just before reaching Jericho, the Bible tells us in the same book that Jesus' kindness led him to healing a blind beggar on the road. And even before that, Jesus heals 10 lepers uh, uh, from leprosy, in case you don't know, is this skin deteriorating disease. And when somebody had a leprosy, they were quarantined and moved off to the side because it was extremely infectious. So here is Jesus, at least on two occasions, just before reaching Jericho, where he's connecting with people that aren't connected with, where he's showing kindness to people who are often receiving unkindness. And maybe Zacchaeus thought for a second, hey, he's kind to outcasts, maybe he'll be kind to me. That young man at the restaurant, Julian, as soon as he cursed, he immediately apologized. I wonder if he did that because he thought I would look unkindly on him because of the words that he used. I wonder if he thought, hey, this guy's cool. I don't want him to think I'm I'm this way or that way. And I didn't think any which way about it. I thought, I like this kid. He's a good guy. Listen, if we show kindness, we'll receive kindness. If we can demonstrate that we're kind people, people are gonna be willing to be more vulnerable, more open, more transparent, I mean, Chicago, part of why we're so closed off is because we're not kind. Think about it. Those of us who grew up in this city, you know what I mean. You're walking down the street. Somebody looks at you and says, hi. All of a sudden, you're checking to see if your phone's on you, your wallet's on you, your fists are clenched. What do you mean, hi? (laughs) You're thinking, why are you talking to me? What's your angle? You're in a fighting stance all of a sudden. (laughs) And it's just hi. It's just saying, hey, you all right? Hey, do you need help? No, I'm all right. Literally, I remember one time getting hit by a car as a kid, and the guy asking if I need help, and I'm like, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm all right. <laughs> Why? We, we don't trust kindness. We're defensive about kindness. And as a result, we don't open up. We don't talk about what's going on. We don't process our feelings because we're not sure if we're going to receive kindness when we do. Kindness is such an important thing, and if you continue to read, you see Jesus not just have a reputation for kindness, but he starts to demonstrate kindness, particularly in this one way. And again, if you're taking notes, you might want to write this down, is that kindness calls you by your name. Again, Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. I wonder when was the last time he heard his name? The Bible says that when Jesus saw Zacchaeus, and explicitly says, and he called him by name Zacchaeus. I wonder how often people call them just chief tax collector, thief, scumbag, other words that we shouldn't be using. I wonder how often he was called all the names except for his actual name. And I think as a result of that, he was probably treated by what he was called, or he probably acted in response to what he was called. Again, we work with teenagers and we understand this a lot with children. We forget it's the same with adults. When you start to address somebody by something other than their name, don't be surprised when they start to act like that. You keep calling someone a villain, don't be surprised when they act like a villain. If you tell a child they're stupid all the time, don't be surprised when their grades suffer. It's not because they're incapable, but it's because you've labeled them in a way that they've now identified with that label. And this happens all the time with all types of things. 
right? Wives, if you keep belittling your husband, don't be surprised that he doesn't step up. Husbands, if you keep uh, calling your wife by, by all the insecurities and the things that she doesn't do, don't be surprised when she's not living up to your expectations. Because often when we throw a label on somebody and we call them something other than who they are, it's an act of unkindness. And then you receive unkindness in return. John chapter 10 verse three says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. This is talking about Jesus. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Why do the sheep trust the Lord? Because he calls them by name. We're not an arbitrary number to God. We are a personal human being who he specifically and uniquely died for. That is what makes our relationship with God so powerful. When God is looking at us now, he doesn't look at Belmont Assembly. He looks at Gio, and he looks at Anais, and he looks at Bill, and he looks at Elizabeth. He sees you by your name. And there is power in names. And if you look at the Bible, it, it's often why Jesus would even change names. To say, hey, you're no longer this, but now you're going to be known as this. But he doesn't change Zacchaeus' name. He calls him Zacchaeus. And I think that's specifically purposeful. Why? Because when you look up what Zacchaeus' name means, it means pure, innocent. Zacchaeus was anything but pure and innocent. He was guilty and he was a thief. But Jesus didn't call him by what he was, he called him by what he will be. He says, you are Zacchaeus. You are innocent and pure, why? Because I'm about to make you that. When you start to speak that kind of kindness into somebody, listen, maybe your child really is struggling with their grades. Maybe they do have a hard time with reading or with math or, or whatever. Telling them they're dumb is not gonna help that. But speaking life into that, encouraging that, telling them, tell them you're just like your father, you're just like your mother, that, that doesn't help anybody. That's just your own insecurity speaking out. But when you speak life into that, when you encourage that, my wife and I try to do this often and by no means are we perfect, but very often we try to just message each other, thank you for what you did. What did I do? And then she just gives me a list. I appreciate that you do this. You're a man like this. She is always speaking life into who I am and who I can be, and I'm always trying to speak life into who she is and who she can be. That's kindness. When, when someone treats you like that, that's kindness. Because the reality is you know you're not maybe there, but you want to see yourself the way they see you. And here's the reality of kindness. Jesus uh, approaches him and he tells him Zacchaeus, right? He calls him by name and he says, Zacchaeus, come down because I got to go to your house. I always thought it was funny <coughs> that Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. But what I've discovered is that kindness doesn't need an invitation. You don't got to wait for somebody to ask you to be kind to be kind to somebody. And too often we're waiting for something. We're waiting for an invitation. We're waiting for an opportunity. We're waiting uh, for just the right time. But here's the thing. It's never a wrong time to do the right thing. It's never a bad time to be kind. Again, we hesitate to offer kindness. We're too worried about what people might think or, or we're not sure how people will react. But here's the reality. If you want more kindness in the world, you have to put it there. 
You have to be the one to put kindness into the world. You have to be the one to be willing to step out and just be nice to people. And again, I get it. I, that sounds so basic and it sounds so arbitrary, but we're just not doing it. We're not going out of our way to show kindness. We're not noticing the single mom who's struggling and saying, hey, let me, let me buy your groceries for you this week or, or let me take care of this gesture for you or, or hey, let me help you out. I, I know you're struggling with this thing. I know it's been a rough season for you. Hey, let me come by. Let me show you a kindness. Galatians chapter five, verse 22 through 23 says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, Peace, patience, here it is, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. There's no law against these things. What does that mean? There's no limit. You can be as kind as you want. There's no limit to kindness. There's no kindness quota that you've reached and now you don't get to be kind anymore. You can be as kind as you want. The world is yearning for it. And so the Bible here is telling us when you have the Spirit of God, when the Holy Spirit is in your life, a byproduct of that life is kindness. If you're struggling to be kind, if you're just an angry, bitter, malicious person, I would argue that there's also a gap and a distance between you and the Holy Spirit. Because when you are in step with the Holy Spirit, when you are filled with the Spirit of God, kindness is a natural attribute that begins to produce in your life. It begins to flow out of you. You know, I, I, I hate to kind of use specific examples, but I love them to death, so I'm going to say, is Stan here? Where's Stan at? Stan's my guy, man. I remember when Stan first came to church, he was not the kindest guy, if you could say it that way. You know, pers you know, he's a retired cop, kind of had that persona about him, and you weren't sure if you could talk to him or not. He was, he was nice. I wouldn't say he was kind. And I don't know if it was age. There's my guy, Stan. I don't know if it was, if it was age, if it was, you know, grandkids. But I do know this. I know when the Spirit of God got a hold of my friend Stan, kindness started to bloom out of him. Kindness in a way that I don't think a lot of people had ever saw before. And all of a sudden, you see Stan now on Thursday nights, faithfully, standing at the door, loving on our kids as they walk in, making sure they're safe in this building. I love Stan's out there reading his book, hanging out with one of our other dads, talking. And when kids come by, he's sitting there doing that small talk, encouraging, especially our athletes, because Stan's an athlete. Yeah, you can do it. Yeah, just, hey, you got to, oh, man, look at this guy. He's awesome. And I just see this unbelievable kindness from this man who, like I said earlier, said, you weren't that kind when you first walked in. <laughs> but I love that because you see what the work of the Holy Spirit does in real time in a person's life when God gets a hold of you. Some of us, I get it, man. The job has made you unkind. Stress has made you unkind. The realities of life, bad uh, relationships, all those kinds of things, they cause uh, bitterness and they cause bruising and they cause a callus over your heart. But trust me, when you lean into the Holy Spirit, kindness begins to permeate, not just towards nice people, but towards mean people, towards angry people, because it's kindness that's in you. When you are full of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to try to be kind. It's just who you are. It comes out of you. And here's the, another thing that I thought was interesting when it comes to kindness. Jesus is, is having this opportunity, right? He goes to Jericho. He sees Zacchaeus in the tree. He calls him by name. 
He tells Zacchaeus to come down. I got to go to your house. And then he, you see the murmurs starting to go around, right? He's going to this notorious sinner's house. I can't believe Jesus is associating with a man like that. But it's interesting because the story is only 10 verses. I feel like the timeline, I feel like there's something missing because he talks to Zacchaeus for a few minutes. He says, I got to go to your house. And then all of a sudden Zacchaeus is like, hey, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor. And I'm going to pay back anybody I cheated. I'm going to give them four times what I stole from them. I don't know about you. That seems like a radical transformation within the time frame that we just read. You had like three seconds with Jesus and all of a sudden you're like, I got to give it all away. (laughs) But here's what I've discovered. Kindness comes first. What do I mean by that? I mean, too often we withhold kindness until we feel like somebody is worthy of being kind to. We, we, we hold back and we wait and we judge. And I get it. You know, it's a protection thing. It's regarding our hearts, regarding ourselves, so to speak. And we're trying to play it safe. I can see that argument. But the reality is kindness comes first. And the church, we've been notorious for this too often. And I'm not saying us specifically. I'm saying the church as a whole where somebody comes in. And then maybe they don't look the part, maybe they, they don't act the part, maybe they already have a reputation, maybe you've already heard about them and you know the things that they do. And you're just kind of looking at them like, well, I'm going to kind of hold my distance, I'm going to keep my family away, I'm not going to show any kindness yet, I'm going to wait to see how they develop. I'm going to wait to see how they evolve. But did you notice, Jesus didn't wait for Zacchaeus to give back to the poor and repay all the debts he owed and change his life and repent before going to his house. No, he went to his house first. Kindness was what sparked the change in everything else in his life. And, and, And here's the deal. When God brings a person into this family, and this is a family, our responsibility is not to make sure they stop sinning. That's the Holy Spirit's job. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. The Holy Spirit will speak into their lives. It's not our responsibility to make sure they dress a certain way or act a certain way or speak a certain way. Our responsibility is to love them and be kind. To make sure that they feel like they have room to be who God called them to be and to go where God called them to go. That's the beauty of kindness. Kindness gives you space to figure things out. Again, I, I, I... Yesterday was National Daughters Day, and I was just looking over my girls, and obviously uh, my new daughter, Olivia, she's a month old now, and and Josie, she's already uh, 21 months, so she's running around, throwing herself, doing all this crazy stuff, and I'm thinking about the the growth, and I'm thinking when, when Josie was just learning how to crawl and learning how to walk, she fell a lot. I mean, a ton of, she still falls a lot. She's got a big head. I love my daughter, and I'm not trying to, and that's not kind. That wasn't kind. But the truth is, she does. She fell a lot. And when she fell, I didn't go up to her and go, you dumb kid. We're made to walk. Why aren't you walking? Humans walk and you keep falling. No. She fell. I'd be like, oh, it's okay, baby. Sometimes she would fake cry to get a cuddle, and I would fake attend her to cuddle her back. So we're both playing the game. She's like, oh, and I'm like, oh, no. And I know she's fine. But every time she fell, we were always kind about it. Oh, that's okay. Good job. Get up. You got it, girl. Good job, baby. You got this. 
Oh, no, are you okay? You're all right. Come on, you got this. Why? Because I wanted her to try again. When we fail in our walk with God, it's hard enough to get back up. It's even harder when the rest of the church pushes you down. Kindness says, hey, it's all right. I get it. You messed up. We've all done that. We've all had our setbacks. We've all had our mistakes. But instead of pushing you down, let me lift you back up. Let me show you a kindness. Because here's the reality. People are waiting for you to be ugly to them. People are waiting for you to be mean to them. People are waiting for you to be unkind. And I got to tell this story. If my wife's watching, I'm sorry, but I got to tell them the truth, babe. The other day, my wife comes in from the kitchen with with Josie, and she's got a bag of blueberries. My daughter's nuts for blueberries. She's got a bag of blueberries. And I looked at her and said, why'd you put it in a Ziploc bag? She goes, you, you had it in a Ziploc bag earlier. I had three blueberries in a bag. <laughs> she had like 50. <laughs> I said, why'd you put them in a Ziploc bag? She goes, why? I go, she's going to drop it because it's a bag. And then I kid you not, like three seconds later, she drops all the blueberries from the bag. I don't even think the last blueberry hit the ground when my wife looks up at me with the angriest face you could ever see, as if I willfully caused the blueberries to fall. She looked at literally anger, tears in her eyes, and I, I just start laughing. I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? Because I know what you're thinking. <laughs> she expected me to be unkind, and she was already angry, and I never said a word. And I wasn't angry. I thought it was hilarious <laughs> because they're just blueberries. You can pick them up. It's not a big deal. She eats off the ground all the time. She needs, <laughs> she needs some you know, antibodies. Listen, sometimes people in church are going to drop blueberries and they're going to look at you and they're going to expect anger and vitriol and condemnation and hatred. And if you just realize, it's okay, I've ate off the floor too. (laughs) It's okay, we'll wash the blueberries, we'll take care of it. Then they don't feel as bad next time they carry that bag, maybe they won't drop it again. Kindness comes first. Listen, Romans chapter 2, verse 3 through 4. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? It's the kindness that brings you, leads you to repentance. You can't lead somebody behind them. Leading means it comes first. So kindness comes before repentance. You want somebody to change their wicked ways? Show them kindness. Because that's what God does. You didn't transform because God smited you. You transformed because you were overwhelmed at the kindness of God, understanding you didn't deserve it. And so God's kindness leads you into an understanding, I can't keep going the way I'm going because of the way God treats me. That's what kindness begins to do. Kindness is such a powerful tool, and it's so disarming of people that if you mastered kindness, if you purposely practiced the the discipline of being kind, you'd be amazed how quickly it would spread. Uh, I want to get ready to close. I don't know if maybe, uh, Aura, if you can help me out, or Pastor Jason, or anybody who knows the piano. I don't mind. You can come and play. But uh, speaking of kindness, kindness has this powerful way of moving people. I mean, literally moving their emotions and their tears. And I was thinking about that. My dad and I, oftentimes, 
we like to sit down and watch uh, these very specific commercials. Y'all ever seen like those really emotionally dramatic Thai commercials? Anybody ever seen those? You should. If you get a chance later, go to YouTube and look up like Thai, Thai commercials. Like just put like Thai emotional commercials. And there are these commercials that are made in Thailand and they're the most dramatic three minute commercials. And there was one that I think it was the first one I saw <laughs> that literally by the end of the commercial, me and my entire family are weeping on the couch. Like we just, <laughs> and the commercial is very simple. It starts off with a young man who's uh, being pulled out of a store by the store owner and being yelled at for stealing. And, and she pulls out of his bag and she finds that he stole some medicine from her pharmacy. And while all this commotion is going on, right next door, there's a little soup shop. And uh, the owner of the soup shop notices the commotion. So he comes over to check on in and he sees that the little boy had stolen some, some medicine. And, and he goes, well, what is this? And the little boy says, it's for my mom. And meanwhile, the other shop lady, she's still yelling at him. She's still screaming at him. And so the, the soup owner, he pulls out some money and he pays for the medicine, says, get away. <laughs> and he tells his daughter, little girl about the same age as the boy, give me a bag of soup. And the little daughter comes over with a little bag of vegetable soup and he ties the little bag of vegetable soup, puts it in the bag, puts the medicine in the bag, hands it to the boy and says, go take care of your mom. And the little boy runs off and it's very sweet. And then flash forward 30 years later, and the man is still working his soup shop. His daughter now is an adult and she's helping him out in the soup shop. And you see this homeless man come by asking for some soup and the shop owner lovingly gives him a bag of soup. You just see that this is a very kind man. And all of a sudden he keels over, hits his head, faints and falls to the ground unconscious. And daughter comes rushing in and they take him to the hospital. And you see, and again, none of this has words. This is all just action going on with music in the background. And he's admitted to the hospital and suddenly the daughter is given this bill for a surgery that he needs that's way too much than what she could afford. To the point where she realized she's got to sell the soup shop now. And so she has the soup shop for sale, urgent, you know, she needs the money. She's crying at her table, trying to figure out how she's gonna pay this bill to save her dad's life. And then you see these little clips of the surgeon performing the surgery and, and the father recovering. And, and then all of a sudden the daughter wakes up at the father's bed and there's a little bill in an envelope and she pulls it out and it has all the same price points except this time instead of those exuberant numbers, it's zero, 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 zero. And it says the amount has been paid in full with a few packs of medicine and a bag of vegetable soup. And then you start to see as the story unfolds that the doctor is the little boy who's now grown up, who now sees this man who showed him a kindness and he returns the kindness. And I'm telling you, I'm sitting there and I still watch him like, <laughs> why? Because there's something in the spirit that God has placed in your life that is moved by kindness and desires to be kind. We just wanna be kind to people. And most of the time when we're not, it's just defensiveness, it's just insecurity, it's just us fighting what we, what we want in the spirit to do. And the, the funny thing is, if you look up those commercials, at the end of it, it's the advertising, because the whole time, you have no idea what this commercial is for. 
I'm like, what is this? I thought it was like a little drama. And then you see it's an insurance company. And I'm like, insurance company? And they got a ton of videos like this. I mean, I literally sat there for hours just bawling my eyes out. It's better than a Hallmark channel. Like you just sit there and you will cry and cry and cry. And it's always insurance. And I'm like, what is this insurance company? Which I guess is good advertising if it makes me wonder. But you know why the insurance company does videos like that? They've discovered, at least in Southeast Asia, that those kind of videos, those videos of kindness, are the most quickly and widely spread on social media. Why? Because kindness spreads. When you are shown kindness, your spirit yearns to respond with kindness. When someone is kind to you, especially when you feel like you don't deserve it, there's a part of you that desperately wants to return that kindness. There's a part of you that wants to show it back. Titus chapter three, verse three through five. Once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy and we hated each other. But when God our savior revealed his kindness and his love, he saved us. Not because of his, the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. If you really think about it, your relationship with God, your devotion to the Lord, your repentance from your old way of life and from doing the things that the sinful nature wants to do, it's led by the kindness of God. Not the fear of going to hell, because that doesn't last long, to be honest with you. When you try to tell people, hey, listen, you need to accept Jesus, if not, you're gonna go to hell. They might be scared for a moment, but usually what ends up happening is they end up hating God because why would God wanna just send me to hell? And is it true that people who don't have a relationship with God go to hell? Yeah, I mean, that's true. But it's not, it's not that direction that you wanna put it in. Because the reality is, I don't want to have a relationship with God out of fear of going to hell. I want to have a relationship with God because I love God. Because love and kindness last so much longer than fear and hate. And when we understand that that's what really drives transformation, let me tell you something. You can vote all you want and put any politician in office you want, but kindness will do more for the transformation of this country than any vote will ever do. You can mandate whatever mandates you want and you can argue whatever arguments you want. You can post all the negative things and vitriol you want online, but it will never go as far as acting in kindness. We are drawn to that, we respond to that, and we were given that by our God and Savior. And so if Jesus in and of himself was willing to show us kindness, who are you and I to withhold it from anyone? I'm gonna ask you to stand as we get ready to close. In a moment, I wanna pray for the believers in this room. And I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands in this case because there is not one believer in this room who doesn't need more kindness in their life, who doesn't need to grow in kindness. But before I do that, I'm gonna ask you for just a moment to close your eyes and just bow your head, just out of respect for the people in this room. 
And maybe you're here and you've never given your life to the Lord. You've, you've never responded to that repentance and that love. And maybe you've had a view of Christianity and of God that wasn't kind. But as I spoke, the Holy Spirit began to lead you, began to show his kindness to you. And there was something in your heart that felt a need to respond to that kindness. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna make you, you know, get out of your seat or anything. I just wanna know if you sense that kindness today, it's the Lord drawing you to him to say, I want a relationship with you. Not that I want you to go to church every week, although that's gonna help, but I want a relationship with you. And so if you're in this room, again, even if it's just one of you, I just wanna make sure that I'll move on in case somebody has that desire and you've never given your life to the Lord and you wanna say yes to Jesus today, all you need to do is signal me by lifting up your hand and I'm gonna lead you in a prayer right where you're at. Is there anyone who would say, Pastor, I wanna have a relationship with Jesus. I wanna to respond to that kindness. Thank you, brother. Anyone else? Amen. Let's pray for that and I'm gonna to continue to pray for us as well. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for my friend, God. I thank you that your kindness has led him to repentance. God, I thank you that it was your kindness and not my words that has caused the transformation in somebody's life. And Lord, I just pray that we in this room would understand that an act of kindness from any one of us can go so much further than a 30-minute sermon from me. So God, I just pray, would you help us by the Spirit of God be filled with kindness. Lord, I pray that we would look for opportunities to be kind, that we would go out of our way to notice people the same way Jesus was willing to notice Zacchaeus. God, that we would address people by their name, by what they will be, not what they used to be, God. I pray that we would take the time to show love and kindness to those who don't feel like they deserve love and kindness. Lord, I pray that kindness would come first before repentance so that it will lead them into all truth, so God. Lord, I pray for divine appointments that you would give us opportunities even today to show kindness, Lord. That even when people show us hatred and ugliness, that by the Spirit of God, you would help us to respond with kindness. So Lord, we thank you, God, because we know in and of ourselves, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And Lord, we thank you that as we draw closer to you, we know that you will produce kindness and gentleness and patience in and through us. So we thank you in advance, God, for the lives that will be transformed, not because of the words that we just said, but because of the kindness that we show. So we thank you for that. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Would you give God a hand clap of praise right where you're at?